Thank you, Jason. Thank you, worship team. Uh, Good to be with you this morning. So welcome again. Good to be with you on Memorial Day weekend. We give thanks for our veterans and those who've given their lives in service for our nation. We remember them today and tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for joining us on live stream as well. Those of you who are at home and some we know now that join us from different states or different cities. So thank you for joining us. If you're watching later in the week, we are glad that you are here as well. It's also race day in Indianapolis. It's Memorial Day weekend. People are traveling. We pray for safety for those traveling. We think of our senior pastor, Jerry. I know he and Megan are on a short trip this weekend before they go on a big trip this summer for part of his sabbatical to Alaska. So we pray for those traveling this weekend. I want to remind you that as of today, uh, May 30th, our session has decided that due to the new CDC guidelines, uh, we're not required to wear a mask in worship or in other meetings in our building. If you prefer to wear a mask for your safety, which some of you are doing today, uh, we certainly 100% support you in that. We wanted to let you know that. And finally, it's graduation time. We wanted to take another opportunity to recognize our graduating high school seniors today. We did that last week as well. Uh, I was gonna say, if you're a graduating senior, please stand. I'm not sure I see any of you around here. See some parents of graduating seniors back there. You don't have to stand. If you look in the online bulletin through the QR code, you can see some pictures of some of our ZPC graduating seniors. We are in our sermon series, which is all year, and it is grace dangerous, God's grace that is also dangerous. And it is in John 14 today, verses 1 through 17. Let's read God's word. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? You still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Sisters and brothers, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, on this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts bring honor and glory to you. Amen. Before I went on, I also wanted to recognize, I forgot just a moment ago, I wanted to say hi to Steve Parlato. Steve is one of our missionaries for more than two decades, right, Steve? Steve and Amy Parlato, so welcome, Steve. It's great to see you here. So we'll see you around soon. So I remember being a college-age Christian in my generation, which was the late 1980s, and as a good Christian young man, one question that you asked was, what is God's will for my life? And I remember being probably around 20 years old wondering that. And I went to a conference as a Christian student, and there was a breakout group. How do you know God's will for your life? And I remember being kind of innocent and young and, and, and gung-ho. I'm going to go to this seminar, this breakout group. I'm going to learn what God's will is for my life. I went, hour and a half later, still didn't know what God's will for my life. For my life. But we may have some of those questions that we ask. Where do I go to college as a young person? What should I major in? What should be my career? What will I do with my life? As a young man, who should I date? Who or when should I get married? Will I ever get married? For me, it was more of, can I get a date or could I have the courage to ask a girl out? That was more what I was struggling with at that time. Having young adult kids now, they think a lot of the same things. And as a parent, a middle-aged parent, I wonder, how do I be a good parent? What will my kids do with their lives? How much do we help them? And when is too much help? And when do we need to back off? But I think back in my generation, years ago, we continually ask, what is God's will for my life? If you're a good Presbyterian, you would recognize the first question of the Westminster Catechism. Lynn Thomas isn't here today. Lynn would love this, though. She and I have talked about this. The question is, what is the chief end of man or the chief end of human beings? The answer is, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I think that's wonderful. Our chief end, our chief goal is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I think with that, and looking at John 14 today, we can begin to answer and get a broad perspective on what is God's will for my life. But before we go further into that, I want to talk about John 14 as a whole here. And, and honestly, there's too much to talk about because John 14 is power-packed. First is the famous passage from John here in those first couple of verses, which really gives us the promise of heaven when Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many rooms, or it could be uh, translated dwelling places. I love there that it says, in my Father's house and that there are rooms. Heaven or eternal life with God will be like spending time with Jesus, spending time in his Father's house where you can feel welcomed, you have important things to do, and you get to share time with Jesus and others face to face. I love that the disciples ask questions because often in my life I'm asking questions as well. Thomas says, how do we know the way? And Philip later says, show us the Father, Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
If you notice there, he begins with saying, I am, and this is very important. Back in Exodus, when Moses asked God what his name is, he says, I am who I am. God is the great I am. So when Jesus says at seven different times in the Gospel of John, I am, he is saying to his listeners, to the readers like us, I am God. So if Jesus is God, he's God's son, what does it mean that he is the way and the truth and the life? Well, let's break down each one of those for just a few minutes. The way. Jesus is the way. He doesn't just show us the way to the Father. He is the way. We not only study Jesus to know his words, but to know his life, the way that he lived. One author that I like says, we are the apprentices of Jesus. We're looking at his life, his way, and we are apprentices to learn his way. As both God and man, Jesus knows our needs and experiences. He is the way to the Father. He is in the Father, and the Father is in him. Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way to spend eternity with God. Jesus is the way to live. Jesus is the truth. Jesus speaks truth, but it's more than that. His teaching is remarkable, is wise. He is the truth. He is our source of knowledge. And as a loving God, God shows us the truth, knowing that we can still choose our own ways. We may not follow it. But John says that Jesus is the Word in John 1, and the Word became flesh. He is truth so that we can trust him. We can put our trust in him. Let not our hearts be troubled, John says, because Jesus is truth. He is trustworthy truth. Jesus is the life. I like to let uh, John define himself here a little bit. I think it's good in in the Bible sometimes to let authors kind of explain themselves. Uh, John says in his own gospel in John 10.10, I have come to give life, Jesus said this, I've come to give life and give it to the full. Another translation says to give it abundantly, to give abundant life. In John 11, the next chapter, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He is life eternal. Jesus is both abundant life and eternal life. So how is Jesus all these things, and how can he show us the way to eternal life? Because Jesus is God. Again, when he says, I am, he's saying that he is God. And here, he talks about he is in the Father, and the Father is in him. And as we look forward into uh, John 14, where we read right there at the end, he brings in the Holy Spirit as well. Jesus says here and in other places, we read ahead in John 15, he says, when I go away, I'm going to send the advocate, the counselor, my spirit, God's spirit, to be with you, to help you. And so today as Christians, when we believe in Jesus, we have his spirit dwelling in us. It's those times when you feel like you may not know the right thing to say, but the words come. It may be those times when you're saying, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And you have a sense that God is guiding you. God's Spirit is to be there. God's Spirit is to be there to comfort you in hard times. God's Spirit is to inhabit you, to awaken you, to inspire you. God's Spirit is with us. Jesus is with us to show us 
the way. So what is God's will for my life? It is going the way of Jesus. It is living the life of Jesus through his spirit who inhabits us that he sends to live with us. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I think this is where it gets to be grace dangerous because especially today, but I think even probably from the time that Jesus said these words, these are controversial words. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is certainly gracious, but is Jesus really the only way? Some people argue that this way is too narrow, and we could write books about this or discuss this for hours, but we're not going to. But in reality, the way is not too narrow. It is wide enough for the whole world. Again, we read in John, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. In the next verse, John says, Jesus says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save all who believe in him. It's for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. It is true that sometimes Christians or churches have been arrogant in the way that we presented Jesus, that we alone have the real answer. But let's look at Jesus himself. Jesus was inclusive. Jesus was inviting. His way was to wash the disciples' feet, to touch the lepers that were outside the rest of civilization, to sacrifice for his disciples, to heal those who were sick, to include people who weren't included. And we can thank God for providing a sure way, a definitive way to relate to God and to have life with God forever. So how do we live? How do we live the Jesus way, the Jesus life? We all know that the world around us doesn't always reflect the Jesus way, the Jesus life. I was reading a book uh, recently, and they talked about uh, successful life. What does the world think a successful life looks like? Uh, Wayne Muller says, a successful life has become a violent enterprise. We make war on our bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. He's talking about that our lives today are at, run at a high speed for most of us. The world moves at an incredible pace. When we read in the media, we have constant news sources. Everything comes at us very quickly. He says the successful life often takes place in a hurry. John Mark Comer, another author, says that hurry, though, hurry, when we run at such a high pace, hurry is a sickness. And he says hurry kills relationships, but love takes time. Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, talks about that love takes time and that Jesus went at a speed that was much less than hurry. When we think about it, Jesus walked everywhere. He didn't have a car to drive fast in. He wasn't in traffic. He walked. He spent time with his disciples. A lot of the stories where Jesus heals someone it's someone who interrupted him. Jesus took time for interruptions. Are we willing to be interrupted as well? And to see that maybe as a God opportunity to interact with someone else on Jesus' behalf. Jesus took time to go away, to be quiet. 
many times, especially in the Gospel of Luke, as we're reading this New Testament a year, as we were looking at Luke just the last month or so, so many times in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus takes time to go away and to be with the Father, to get up early in the morning to pray, to get away from the crowds, and to be quiet. Hurry kills relationships, but love takes time. So we need to look at life. If we're going to live the Jesus way, the Jesus life, we need to look at life through the lens of love, through the lens of love. Love takes time. That's what God wants us to do. So I've been going at a very fast pace recently, not only because this week I was in extra meetings and preparing for Jerry's uh, departure for his sabbatical, which did take a lot of time this week, but more since I was preparing for my sons, Graham and Luke, to graduate from high school, from Covenant Christian High School, which they did just about 36 hours ago, which I'm not counting, but I am kind of counting, about 8 o'clock on Friday night when they graduated. High school graduations are milestone moments. And I was thinking about this. You know, when your kids, if you have kids, when they graduate from high school, it's a milestone moment. When someone graduates from high school, you think about big things. Almost all graduates will either get out and get a job and go to work in the world. They, they kind of set their feet on a path out into the world. Or many of them, most of our ZPC grads, will go to college, and most of those will move out of their parents' house, probably for the first time, to go to college. So as Christian young people, they'll be asking big questions before they decide where to go. Where do I go to college? Where do I go to work? What will my future be like? What will I do next? What is God's will for my life? For my boys, for Graham and Luke, for other graduates, for college grads, I know one of you here has a college grad today, the answer for all of us is much the same. Being a follower of God who is the way and the truth and the life is the answer. It's the answer to the question, what is God's will for my life? It's being a follower of Jesus. With the confidence and faith that Jesus is the way to the Father, and the life that we're supposed to live is the Jesus life, we can follow him. Living in everyday ways, each day, like Jesus did. My hope for Graham and Luke, my sons, for all of our kids, for all of our ZPC kids, for all of your kids and your grandchildren, is that they would know the Jesus way, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus shows that he is the way, again, through the lens of love. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is hard to do. It sounds easy. We can read it, but it's still hard to do. Again, what Jesus does, and as we watch him, like, how does Jesus do that? One of the ways he does that is often regroup and refresh and re-energize by taking time away to be quiet, to pray, and to be with the Father. Part of Jerry's sabbatical is to uh, kind of give us assignments as he was the winner of a grant. He has certain things to write about and to do both while he's on sabbatical and for the church to do. 
And so last week and today, we have these magnets. I want to encourage you. I saw this morning there's a handful of them at the Welcome Center uh, by the front door of the church to pick one up, put it on your refrigerator or somewhere else. And for the month of June, which starts on Tuesday, June 1st, he says, take a 30-minute walk four to five days a week without listening to anything else other than the world around you. Begin to take time, if you're not already, to be quiet so you can refresh, regroup, re-energize, reconnect with God. When we do these things, we see, and when we study Jesus, his life, we see how he is present with people, how he's open to interruptions. He has time for people on the margins. This is the way of Jesus. Jesus loves his neighbor, and we need to see the way to life, the abundant life, the eternal life, is through that lens of love that Jesus has. If we ask, what is God's will for my life, and we look to the New Testament, the answers, is the, the answers are there. Be more like Jesus. Follow the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all that you are, to love your neighbor as yourself, and as a church to go and make disciples. We need to see this answer for what is God's will for our lives again through the lens of love, because God is love. It sounds like when we talk about it that way, or when I talk about it that way, that life is easy. Now, I know I'm a person who kind of the, the glass is half full. I, I see things oftentimes, and I'm self-aware enough to know that I kind of wear rose-colored glasses a lot of times. But I've also lived enough life to know that life is hard. And it's one of the reasons we need to continually, weekly, daily, go back to the basics, go back to the Scripture, go back to pray, take that quiet walk, gather with friends, be with people that you love, that encourage you, and that you can love, so that we can reconnect with God to live his way. Just a couple more things. In the end of this passage, um, Jesus says, if you love me, talking about through the lens of love, you'll obey my commands. Now think about if, if Jesus wasn't saying this and someone else said to you, hey, you will obey my commands. I don't know about you, I'd probably get defensive on that. I'm just saying, I probably would. As Americans, we are freedom-loving people. We do not like to be told what to do. So I wanna say here's a different way to think about obeying what Jesus commands. See them through the lens of love. Now, I got to officiate a wedding just a couple of Saturdays ago, and, and all weddings are beautiful. This was a beautiful wedding. It was right up here at ZPC, which was great, but both the, the bride and the groom who are in their mid-20s, they have their whole lives ahead of them, they both cried a couple of times during the ceremony, and I think it was just, it was just sweet. I loved doing that. They shared wedding vows. Now, wedding vows is making a commitment, as you know, to be with your spouse, to be all in, to be there in sickness and in health, in good times and bad, being wholly committed to love one another, not obeying each other, but loving the other person so much that you want what is best for that person. I think with Jesus, it's almost like wedding vows. When he says, obey my commands because you love me, we realize Jesus loved me first by sacrificing his life for me. Therefore, I will love him back. And if he says I'm supposed to obey his commands, I'm gonna do that because I know Jesus loves me 
and I want to love him back. We will fail at that. I know I fail at that. Probably sometimes because I don't want to take the risk. Maybe I like things the way they are. Some days I'm simply lazy or selfish. But with love, we can attempt to live the life of Jesus. God's will changes with the seasons of life. I think as I've gotten older, this is one thing I've learned. I think when I was 20 years old and I was asking, what is God's will for my life? I kind of thought there was one answer, one great answer out there. But I think God's will for your life, for my life, for our lives, it changes with time. As a college student, I was kind of figuring out what I was supposed to do. I majored in finance. I went and worked for a mortgage company after college. And within a year, I hated it and I quit. I went and worked at a school in the inner city in Dallas and I loved it, but I didn't have a teaching degree, so I wasn't there long term. I ended up going to seminary and I became a pastor. I went to seminary in California, which was a great move for me because it broadened my horizons. I had lived all my life in central Texas and it broadened my eyes and opened my eyes to different things around the world living in California. Then came ZPC and I got married. We had kids, we have parenting a number of years ministering to youth, a number of years ministering to adults and things like that. And so God's will for my life has changed and shifted slightly as the seasons of my life has changed. And I'm sure that God's will for your life has changed as the seasons of your life have changed. But the constant, the constant, and will always be constant, is Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We are to live the Jesus way, understanding that he is the way to abundant life, he is the way to eternal life, and we are to live the Jesus life, knowing that he sends his spirit to be with us. Now, John's a little mysterious. We're going to finish on this. John sometimes says some things, or, or Jesus says some things in John, maybe that we don't have in other of the Gospels that I think are they're a little mysterious. Jesus says here in the second part of this passage, he says, you're going to do greater works than I do. And Christians have debated this for centuries. What does that mean? We're supposed to do greater works than Jesus? Well, one of the things he says, he's going to send his Holy Spirit to be with us, right? If we have Jesus, we have his Spirit. And through God's grace, we can live his life. But how can we do greater things? Well, think back just to last week, if you were here, if you were here for our ZPC Family Reunion Sunday, and it was Pentecost Sunday, Jerry preached on Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and inhabited the disciples where Peter went out and gave a speech. What happened at the end of that speech? 3,000 people, they said that day, because there were thousands of people in Jerusalem, came to know Jesus that day. As far as we know, 3,000 people were not followers of Jesus. There were times when Jesus fed the 5,000, when there were huge crowds around him. But on that day, more people came and joined the church than ever had at one time before. Jesus wasn't there, but Peter was there with the Holy Spirit, in a sense, doing greater works than Jesus had done. Today, the gospel message goes out around the world to places in Asia, in the Middle East, in countries that ZPC supports like Guatemala and the Philippines, Uganda, and Ethiopia. 
Imagine this. This little church, or this large church, if you will, right here on the corner of 116th Street and Michigan Road, sends out missionaries, supports missionaries to places all around the world to take God's message. That wasn't possible in Jesus' time. Today, it is. In a way, part of your participation in this church is doing greater works than even Jesus could do. So we might think, you know, I can't do those great things, maybe. Steve Parlato can. He can go to other countries and tell people about Jesus. But we can do smaller works, day by day, one day at a time, living the Jesus life. We need to love those first in our families who are imperfect just as we are. We can love at work by treating our supervisors, our coworkers, and those we supervisors supervise with respect and care We can care for our children, our grandchildren. As younger people, we can care for our parents and our grandparents. We can care for our neighbors, others in need. We can look for opportunities to do smaller works that might add up to greater works. And so starting this week, again, look for time away to walk, to be quiet, to spend time reflecting on who Jesus is And what is God's will for your life? You may not know all the specificity of what God's will is for your life, but we can know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And we know the way to abundant life and eternal life. In him, we live the Jesus life. Let's pray. Most loving God, it is great to be in your house, in your sanctuary here together, and to join together with those at home who are watching on live stream today. God, we pray that your message in the Gospel of John, that you are the way and the truth and the life, can inspire us to live in your way, to know that you're the truth, to live your life. God, that you promise us abundant life here on earth. You promise us eternal life with you in heaven. God, in the meantime, we know that life is hard. And God, sometimes I know I can have rose-colored glasses to see life, but God, You promised to be with us, to never leave us nor forsake us, and to walk with us in the life that you give us. So God, walk with us this week, knowing again that we are your disciples, we are your followers, that you are the answer to the question, what is God's will for my life? Help us to live the Jesus way, the Jesus life. Amen.